on Friday end. No announcements. We'll do announcements at the end. We're going to jump right into it. So, uh, just a little heads up. We're going to have a lot of scriptures tonight. So, you don't have to turn to all of them, but I, I recommend you write them down just so you know where they are and you can look at them later. So, Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Proverbs 3 and verse 9. Everybody there? We responded tonight. We excited tonight. Proverbs 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions. Look at the next thing, possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. Notice that honor the Lord with your possessions or your money, your dollars, your cabbage, your lettuce, your wealth. Your possessions, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Okay, we don't live in an agricultural time, but translation, your bank account will be filled with vengeance. Okay, that your piggy bank will overflow with not new wine, but coins. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats. Your vats, your vats will overflow with new wine. So notice that honor the Lord with your possession and with the first first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen? All right, Matthew 6. Matthew 6. I'm excited tonight about it. I told you it's going to be the best message you ever heard on Saturday, ever. Most exciting message. Let them tithing to be exciting. It can be if you know what you're doing and you know what the Word of God says about it. Matthew 6 and verse, Matthew 6 and verse 19. It says, Matthew 6 and verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust are there, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21, key verse for tonight. And really, if we only had one verse for tithing tonight, we could quote this verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, or where your money is, your heart will be there also. Where your treasure is, Jesus speaking, red letter. But where your treasure is, where your bank account is, what your debit card statements say, that's where your heart is. So, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So, like we said, tonight is the third part of Jason's paper. If you take a note tonight, the title of the message is Tipping God. I will say the title is God Tipping, but <laughs> so you guys think too much about cow tipping. We live in the Midwest, so I was going to say God tipping. So tipping God. Tipping God. Tipping God. And let me do this uh, real quick. I'm going to do a quick overview, review of the past couple weeks. And I encourage you, if you have not heard the past few weeks' message, it's kind of foundation for what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're, we're, we're building on each other with these foundations. So... I encourage you to listen to the podcast in the past two weeks, but a quick overview. overview. The first week, 
about God over money. And we talked about pretty much, you got to realize God is the owner of all things, and we are just this source. So, when we talk about tithing tonight, keep this in the back of your mind all night. 100% of my money belongs to God. At the end of the day, if we didn't have any scriptures or not about tithing, 100% of my money belongs to God, but He's given me stewardship over it. Now, He only asked for 10% back in return as an honor. It's you. But then the 10% we give back, the tenth anyways, He blesses us on. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculously good that we give God back His own money, and He blesses us more for it. And that was all free right there. But realize God is the owner, so keep that in the back of your mind all night when we're going to be talking about 10% because the tithe. Realize at the end of the day, 100% of your money belongs to God, not just 10. Because he, He's only asking for 10. So, God is the owner of all things, but we are stewards of everything that He's given us. Last week, we talked about rich God, poor God. We, we talked about does God want you rich and does God want you poor? And we realize that God wants you to be rich or have a full supply or have more than enough. Now, when we say rich, we're not talking about Hollywood. We're not talking about pop stars, rap stars rich. We're talking about a full supply more than enough rich. That's what God means when he wants you to prosper and he wants you to have riches. It's not $10 million mansions and Lamborghinis. It is having more than enough. Several reasons God God wants you to be rich is because you're His child. We talked about because it's part of your redemption, and also He blesses you because it's not just about you; it's about building His kingdom on earth. And He blesses you so you can be a blessing. And how many know the poor cannot help the poor? Only the blessed can help the poor. Only the prosperous, the rich can help the poor. So if you want to bless the world and you want to help people and you if you want to uh, grow and propel the church and the kingdom of God. You have to have some money. Because whoever has the money has the power. Don't we realize this? Whoever has the money has the power. That's why there's so much junk on TV, movies, music, etc. Because whoever controls the money has the power. That's why the church needs to have the money and not the world. But for so many years, the church has not talked about money. Or when they do, they talk about God wants you poor. So the church hasn't had the money in the past. That's why the world seems like they're controlling things. Because they have the money. But not forever. Because there's a lot of people now in the body of Christ in the church that are getting, getting revelation about that God wants to prosper us so we can bless others. So we can control the things on the earth. Not the world dictating to us what's cool, what's not cool. Not running TV, not running the movie, movie theater, not running music. But Christians should be doing that. But they can't do it if they don't have the money. We're still here. So tonight we're going to be talking specifically about giving, and more specifically ties and offers. Now, let me establish this. We're going to go. Uh, we're going to try to go slow at the beginning, but you need to follow me from start to the finish to get everything I'm saying. So we all agree that we're going to stay with me from the beginning of this to the end of this because. Can't tune out halfway through because you're not going to get the significance of it. Because we're going from Genesis to Revelation tonight. You ready? We're going to go there. Maybe not every book, but we're going to go there from Genesis to Revelation. And um, tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking.
working for you. Or maybe you're doing it, but you really don't have any idea why you're actually doing it. Like, you love God, so you're giving him money, but you really don't know the scriptures that say why you should give. You're just doing it. So, how many know tonight, every one of us in here, or maybe you're anti-giving God the tithe because you think pastors are out to get your money, and the church is out to get your money, then we got to give it to you tonight, too. So, God bless you also. So, realize, before we get going here, have an open mind, have an open heart, to hear the Word of God. And realize, when I'm going to talk tonight, I'm going to be using Scripture, not my opinions. So, let's not say, well, this is just your opinion about it. No, I'm going to be basing what I say on the Scripture, because the Word of God is absolutely true. Now, my opinion might not be true, but God's Word is true. So, we're going to get the Word of God, and we've said this many times at the story, and especially for a lot of us in here, not all of us, but a lot of us grew up in church, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Okay? A lot of people grow up, grow up in church, and they know what they believe, and they can quote it to somebody, but then when they get to college, and professors question what they believe, and uh, friends question what they believe, they never really knew why they believed it anyways, so they stopped believing it, because... They never knew why they believed it in the first place. That's why it's important to be a thinking Christian, an intelligent Christian, that you don't just know, well, this is what I believe, and then somebody asks you, well, why do you believe it? Well, I don't know. It's just, I just believe it. That's what I've been taught. Why do you believe what you believe? It's important to know why behind the what. And realize, when you know the why behind the what, you have more faith for what you're doing. You get more established in it. When you know why you believe what you believe, you become established and settled and grounded in the Word of God so people don't shake you up when they question your beliefs because you, you know why from the Word of God what you believe. And then you have faith for it. So specifically tonight, you need to know why so you can have faith for giving. Because you, you can be giving and not see the results because you don't have faith for it. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15, you can just write this down, we don't have to turn there. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, I quoted this last week. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, rightly divide the Word of God. So, when we study tonight, we're going to rightly divide the Word of God. Meaning, if you can rightly divide it, you can wrongly divide it. That's why we need to study God's Word together, and not just take one scripture out of context and say, I have uh, a teaching I need to share with you, or this is my life verse. Because it might not even mean what you think it means in the context of what they're talking about in the Bible. That's why you need to study the Bible and be an intelligent believer. Because I've heard believers quote verses, and if they really knew what it meant, they would not be quoting that verse like, this is my life verse. Because they're basing their life on a verse that really doesn't mean exactly what they think it means because they don't study the Bible. Hello, somebody. Like I said, we're going to be doing some teaching tonight, so hopefully you're okay with that and you're putting your thinking cap on and you're going to think with me tonight. So, if you can rightly divide the Word, you can wrongly divide the Word. That's why we're going to study the Word of God together tonight. Now, when you study God's Word, realize you can't just take one verse randomly or even one chapter randomly and just create your belief system on it. It needs to run from Genesis to Revelation. Because Scripture interprets Scripture. I'm sorry if I go to Portland Bible College on you tonight. But just listen. Scripture interprets Scripture. 
So you can't, like I said, you can't just take one chapter or one verse and base your life on it. It must go from Genesis to Revelation if you're going to believe it. That's why, like when we talk about healing, healing's not just that one little portion of the Bible. It's from Genesis to Revelation. When we talk about faith, it's from Genesis to Revelation. When we talk about prosperity, it's from Genesis to Revelation. You can't just take one verse and run with it. It needs to be in the fullness of the Scripture. So we're going to answer some questions tonight. This is the question we're going to try to answer for you tonight. Is it biblical to tithe? Now, you don't have to write this down. These are just the questions that we're going to try to answer tonight. Is it biblical to tithe? Because a lot of people say that, uh, well, that was just an Old Testament thing, and they don't even have anything to do with the New Testament. It's not biblical to tithe. Some people say that. Father, go through the page. I didn't mean to go ahead and preach on message. Let's go home. Is it biblical to tithe? Some people say, well, tithing is under the law, so under grace. So, so now that I'm under grace, I don't need to tithe. Okay, that's a legitimate question. We're going to answer it tonight. Uh, where does the tithe go? Does it go to my grandma? Does it go to the homeless man on the street? Does it go to uh, Chick-fil-A? Because you know they're tithing on their money, so technically you would be tithing if you're eating at Chick-fil-A on a consistent basis. Because they're giving their money in honor of God. So, where does the tithe go? These are legitimate questions that people can answer. And here's one. It's like a hot button issue. Is it right to pay a pastor? Hello, somebody. Is it right to pay a pastor? Um, and let me see what else we got here. These are just some questions that a lot of people have about tithing and giving. Is it difficult to tithe? Where does the tithe go? Is it right to pay the minister or the pastor? Um, where should I give my tithe to a local church or to uh, another ministry? These are the questions we're going to try to answer tonight. So you ready? We're about to jump full force in it. You ready? You got your running shoes on. You got your gear on, your boots are tight. Everybody? Young disciples. I'm here. Um, first of all, tithe. In your notes, tithe. What is what does the tithe mean? What does it mean? Tithe. Okay. First of all, we're here. I'm excited. This is the most excited I've ever been about talking about tithes and offerings. And not because I'm going to get a raise because of it. Okay? No money's going to me because of this message. A tithe means the tenth or ten percent. Okay? The tithe literally means ten percent or the tenth. Now, in light of the Old Testament, Stay with me from start to finish, because we just at the beginning. Don't tune out on me already. The tithe, especially in the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, I mean, though, they were a very agricultural people who uh, who raised crops, who had cattle, uh, who really didn't have dollar bills necessarily, but they did have cattle, they did have some coins, but during that time, they just traded for stuff, whether it be uh, crops or, or cattle, and, and things like that. They didn't necessarily have dollar bills and bank accounts in that day. So the tithe was literally tenth of their livestock or their produce or any kind of goods or, or materials that the people had. It was tenth of, the, of that was dedicated 
baptized in the Bible. Now, let me say this as we keep going here, because we're not going to talk about all 41 times it's mentioned in the Bible. There's something you need to know about Bible interpretation. Cost, I'm going to go there for a Bible cost with me. Um, there's something called, in the Bible, commands and principles. Now, a command is, is very obvious, like the Ten Commandments, like thou shalt not kill, thou not steal. You know, those are commandments. Those are definite. You don't, you don't have any gray area with that. But also in the Bible, there is principles implied from Genesis to Revelation that are equal to commandments, but might not necessarily be written out like commandments. You still with me? Okay, stay with me. So realize when we study giving, tithing, offering, all these scriptures might not necessarily say the word tithe, but they're implying the principle of giving God the first, the best, the tenth, and giving, even though it doesn't necessarily say the word tithe. You've got to think with me. So realize when we talk about the word tithe, just because it doesn't say it, say the word tithe in every verse we use, it implies the meaning of the word tithe or the ten percent. Now also when we're studying the Bible, we realize here we're talking about the tithe, the ten percent. There's forty one times that use of the word tithe, but also, especially in the Old Testament, the same word used for tithe could be used the word first or first fruits. Now when the Bible talks about first fruits, it's the same as the tithe. So notice that tonight we're going to be using some verses that talk about the first or the firstborn or the first fruits. When he talks about the first fruits, it's talking about the tithe. Okay, just because use the word tithe, it's talking about the tithe. Go here. So we realize from scripture that tithe means ten percent. So we're gonna get into some some scriptures that have to do with tithing or first fruits or giving God the first and the best. Now, before we do that, realize this, uh, the statistics show that most Christians do not tithe, which is sad. Most Christians do not tithe. And these are uh, real stats that people have done, especially in North America, the most really wealthy nation in the world. Most American believers do not tithe their money. They don't. That's why I call this tipping God. Because most Christians don't even give 10%. Even though 10% is the starting place, not the finishing place, they don't even give God the 10%. And so we see here that no wonder our country and the church and the financial place it is when they don't even give God 10% of their income. We even know this. Unbelievers, people that do not know God, give more than 10%. There is a lot of wealthy people who do not do not know God whatsoever. They give 15 to 20 percent of their income on a regular basis, and they don't even know God. But the principles the same for the saved and the unsaved. If you sow, you will reap. And a lot of business people, a lot of wealthy people, a lot of CEOs of companies in Hollywood realize the principle of sowing and reaping, even though they don't even know God, and it still works for them. And a lot of them will get 15 to 20 percent of their income to charities, and you can't even get Christians to tie 10 percent to the church. That's sad. And no wonder the church is in the financial shape it is. What do you think if all the Americans tie 10 percent of their income? 
where would the state of the church be, not just in America, but globally? Because realize the United States funds the church globally. A lot of people in other countries are funded by people in the United States. So if they give 10% of their income at least, where would the state of the church be? How much finance and resources and new church buildings and evangelism could happen if God's people would actually give 10% of their income? Okay, we still here tonight? Like I said, we're going to be thinking tonight. We're going to think together. It's not going to be so much preach. It's going to be teach. But they say that most Americans give 4 to 7% of their income. Most Americans give 4 to 7% of their income. That's why it's not a tithe, it's a tip. The tipping God. And they said the majority are more, are more towards like 3 or 4%. See, the, the big difference is 7% in America. <laughs> so, majority of believers give 3 to 4% of their income to God a year. It's sad. They're tipping God. And the, the, the thing about that 4, four to 7%, that's a bad tip. Okay, if you go to a restaurant, you tip a waiter or a waitress, they're expecting 50 to 20% of your money. And you're giving God 4 to 7% of your money? Like like God is less important than a waiter or a waitress, for goodness sakes? The God of the universe, and you can barely get 4 to 7% of your income? That's a bad tip. That's not even a tithe. It's a bad tip. And a lot of believers, they're not tithing, they're not honoring God with their money. They're tipping God. Why? Because they don't trust God. But realize, we need to tithe and give offerings, not just tip God. God's not pleased with our tips. You know, it talks about the Word of God, and we're not going to turn there. It talks about the widow woman gave two pennies in an offering. And there's a bunch of rich, rich people that came in there and put some money in the bucket to made a lot of money. And God, and God said that He was pleased with her offering. And he wasn't pleased with these rich people's offering. And you know they gave a lot of money, but they had a lot of money. Too much is given, much is required. And guess what they were doing? They were coming to church, acting like they were all that, and they were tipping God. And God said, I don't honor that. But this woman, who had two pennies for goodness sakes, she gave all she had, and God honored her above all these rich people who were just flipping God a tip. They faced God. Why? Because it doesn't just matter what you do, but how you give it. We're going to get into that. All right, let's look at Genesis. We're going to start. We started from the bottom. Hello. We're going to, we're going to start from Genesis and end up in Revelation. Genesis. Everybody good? You guys bored yet? No, a couple people bored. Most of them are not. Genesis 4. Okay. So we're going to be talking about tithing and offering. Now, this is going to be a pretty thorough message on tithing. So you have faith for it. And let me say this before we read Genesis 4. Now, even before Genesis 4, the tithe is implied. Now, the tithe is implied because of Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, you can't prove it, but you can't disprove it, like I've been praying all this time. But the, um, the implication of the tithe is even in the garden of Eden, because God said, you can have everything, but don't touch this tree. Okay? 
And so the implications of the tithes are even in the beginning, meaning you can have all this, but leave this. This belongs to me. The tithe belongs to the Lord. And God said, you can have all of this, you can have the rest of your money, but don't touch the tithe because it belongs to me. And notice Adam and Eve, they could have eaten from any tree in the garden, they could have done anything they wanted, but they had to touch what was God's. So even the tithe is in the Garden of Eden. The implications are there about putting God first and not touching what belongs to God. So just before, it says, Now Adam and Eve, or Adam knew his wife, and he conceived and bore Cain and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Ooh. Put that on your clothes. I've acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2, then she bore again this time Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse 3, now in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. But Abel also brought of the firstborn. Okay, what we talk about first, the firstborn, the first fruits implies the time. Now it says, and he brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, this is in the very beginning. Where did Cain and Abel learn how to tithe and give? They didn't have the Bible to read. Where did they learn that? Their parents. Adam and Eve taught their children about giving. Already at the beginning of creation, Adam and Eve taught their children about giving and offerings and tithing, even in the beginning of the Bible. But notice it says that Cain brought an offering of the ground, but Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord respected Abel, but he did not respect Cain. Why did he not respect Cain's offering? Because he didn't give him the first. He gave him an offering. He gave him a tip. And God said, the tithe belongs to me, not just the tip. And so even in the beginning of the Bible, it shows that God honored the person who gave him the tithe of the first. But the person who just gave an offering and just gave it kind of disrespectfully, you know, just gave God a tip, God did not respect that. And we see here, even in the beginning, it's not just about what you give, but how you give it and your heart behind it. Because we see in the text it implies that Cain just kind of gave God a tip, and his heart really wasn't in it. He just did it flippantly. And he still gave, but God didn't respect that giving because his heart wasn't in it. But then we see Abel, his heart was in it, and he gave God the first of what he had, and God respected his time. So realize. Keep this in the back of your mind, all, all service. It's not just about what you give, but the heart behind what you give. Because you can still give in church and not be blessed because you have a wrong heart when you're doing it. Because you're doing it because you have to, or your parents told you you had to, or somebody made you feel guilty, so you're giving in the offering. God does not respect that. He respects somebody who gives in willingly what already belongs to him, with a good attitude. We're going to talk about this on next week. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Not a grumpy giver. He, he's not going to bless you. I don't care how much you put in the offering. If you've got a grumpy, frowny face, and 
you're sad about giving your money. God will not bless that. I don't care if it's two million dollars. You could have kept it for goodness sake, because God is not blessing a bad attitude when you give. That was free. Genesis 14. Genesis 14. You guys still here? And we're going to be doing some study from Genesis to Revelation. I believe you're going to receive revelation about tithing and giving offerings. Now, Genesis 14, and this is about Abraham. Now, he's the king. If I say Abraham is the king. Okay. Now, in Genesis 14, we're going to about, about to read about Abraham tithing and giving offerings. Now, we, we see in the New Testament that Abraham is known as the father of our faith. Abraham is known as the father of our faith. And Abraham was the original faith man. And we see here that Abraham is one of the key links to our covenant with God because the covenant he made with Abraham still comes into the new covenant with Jesus. It's connected together. Why? Because the covenant that God made with Abraham was based on faith and not works. That's why the same covenant that Abraham have has that we have now. How many know the Bible says that we are Abraham's seed now? We're heirs of our father Abraham. We're connected with Abraham. Why? Because Abraham's covenant with, with God was a covenant of grace and not of law. And the covenant of grace is still intact today through Jesus. So realize Abraham lived hundreds of years before the law was ever given. Before there was any documents that said, you need to tithe. Abraham gave God the tithe by faith and by grace. And that's the person we're connected to, not Moses. Okay, we respect Moses and we love Moses, but we're not in the same covenant with Moses. He was in a lesser covenant, but we're connected to Abraham because his covenant is a covenant of grace, which we're still in because he's fulfilled that. Try not to pull this over your head, but there's just a lot of good stuff in here. Abraham realized it says to follow the faith of Abraham. And we'd all say yes and amen because you read in Romans and Galatians and Hebrews, it talks about the faith of Abraham. We need to follow the faith of Abraham, which is true. But we need to follow the giving of Abraham. Everybody says, I need to follow the faith of Abraham, but you need to follow the giving of Abraham. You want the blessings that Abraham had, you need to be a giver like Abraham was. So don't just say, I need to follow his faith, follow his giving too. Why? Because he was hundreds and hundreds of years before the law was ever given. Abraham. Genesis 14, verse 18. It says, Then Melchizedek. I'm going to go name your kid Melchizedek. Let's call him Mel. Now, Melchizedek and Abraham are key for today. Okay? Keep that in the back of your mind all, all night. Abraham and Melchizedek, they're going to come revisit us in Hebrews. So keep that in the back of your mind. And so then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine. Hmm, we're going to have a service. And notice, especially in the Old Covenant and even in the New Covenant, bread and wine are a type of covenant. When you bring out bread and wine, it's symbolic of covenant. That's why we take communion. We use bread. We don't use wine. We use grape juice. And we take communion with 
place a tithe of all. You keep that in mind. Abraham gave Melchizedek, which was the priest or the minister, a tithe of everything he had. Now, when he did that, there's really two main things that happened in this portion of Scripture with Melchizedek and Abraham. Is Melchizedek received the tithe, and then he blessed Abraham. There's only two things. Abraham gave Melchizedek the tithe, and he received it, and then he blessed Abraham. Now keep those two in the back of mind, because we're coming back in Hebrews. Genesis 28. Genesis 28. So we say, follow the faith of Abraham, or follow the giving of Abraham. He was a tither, and he tithed everything he had. Genesis 28. You guys still here? Still excited about tithing? So we see, how many know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? We've all heard those names. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, it implies that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all tithed. How did they learn that? They didn't have the book of the law. They didn't have the Bible to read. They passed it along to the next generation because they honored God with their money. In the same way that your parents have taught you to tithe and give offerings, they taught their sons and daughters, even before they had a Bible, to honor God with what they had, and He would bless them. So we see Jacob in Genesis 28, which is Abraham's grandson. It says that Jacob, this is what happened. Uh, let me give you a little context of this. Genesis 28. Um, Jacob, everybody heard of Jacob's ladder before? Everybody ever heard of that? It talks about Jacob, he was taking a nap on a rock, not too comfortable, taking a nap on a rock, and he had a vision about angels ascending and descending, and God gave him a vision, and he ministered to him. And after God gave him that vision, uh, he called that place Bethel, okay? In which the word Bethel means the house of God. The house of God. So we see in Genesis 28, verse 22, it says, And this stone which I set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that I give you, I will surely give a tenth to you. So notice, when Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, was still tithing, he gave his tithe at the house of God. We're still here. You're getting some questions answered if you're listening to me. Where did he give the tithe at? The house of God. He gave the tithe to the house of God. Now, this is not the only reference to the house of God. And we know in the New Testament, in Timothy, it says, the church is the house of God now. The church is. So, Jacob gave the tenth to God at Bethel, which, is, which the translation would be the house of God. Amen. Leviticus. I've never used the Leviticus scripture before. It's exciting. Leviticus. All you people who love the law and the prophets. This is, I actually took this from classes in both of the Bible. This is commentary on the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. I'm excited about tithing. I don't know about you. Okay. You guys can do this. I realize I'm not preaching. I'm not, um, you know, being 
context tonight, but you need to listen to this. This teaching could change your life. Because how much further can you be when you start honoring God at a young age with your money? How much more prosperous and blessed can you be than even your parents, your grandparents, and everybody around you who's your age that is struggling? Little poor college students. <laughs> and they don't have any finances. And that doesn't have to do with your parents. Your parents can be going broke. But if you believe God and trust God, you can prosper. But you got to honor God with your money. Leviticus 27, and we're going to read this, but before we, we say this, I'm just going to, like, between these verses, I'm going to just throw nuggets out to you. Chicken nuggets. Spiritual chicken nuggets. Not real chicken nuggets, because I know some of you, you know, you, you, you guys are believing for real chicken nuggets. Not real chicken nuggets, spiritual chicken nuggets. So, before we read Leviticus, and we just talked about this the other, other week, that God, you might hate your mind. You would be cleaning up everybody else's, even if it, it landed in their mouth and fell out, you would still get it. Yeah. So, but these are not real chicken nuggets, spiritual chicken nuggets. Good for you. And not McDonald's chicken nuggets, Chick fil A chicken nuggets. Okay, good stuff. Right? Because McDonald's chicken nuggets are made of like plastic and chicken feed. It's not good for you. Okay, before we go to Leviticus, when God's people came out of Egypt, when God brought all his people out of Egypt, and he said, let my people go, and they, they went out of Egypt, it says that God's people took all the gold, all the silver, all the jewels with them. Now, why did God's people, who were about to go into the wilderness, take all the gold, all the silver, all the jewels, because you can't do nothing with them in the desert, can you? There's a principle here. God gave them the wealth because when they went out to the wilderness, they built the tabernacle, which was God's house. Free. That was free. So, what did the word say? We read last week in Deuteronomy. It says, I've given you the power to get wealth to establish my covenant or my church or my kingdom on the earth. So when God's people left Egypt or left the world, he gave them the wealth, the gold, the silver, the jewels. For what reason? To build God's house once they, once they got into the promised land. Of course, we realized they didn't get to the promised land until they built a tabernacle in the wilderness. But they took those same gold, silver, jewels. When eventually they got into the promised land, they built the temple with those gold and silver and jewels. So God gave them that wealth to build in the house. Leviticus 27, it says, Leviticus 27 and verse 30, it says that in all the tithes of the land, whether it be the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Now, like we said, 100% of your money is God's. But he says the tithe is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. God honors the tithe is holy to the Lord. Now realize this, we realize that tithing didn't start in the law, 
for all you people who say, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace. Good. Good for you. So are we. Tithing didn't start in the law, it started way back before the law, but tithing was implemented in the law because it was passed on through all those generations because they honored God with their money. And the principle was there because they realized it's worked for all these generations. We're not going to stop honoring God now. So, realize tithing was a part of the law, but not originated in the law. Okay? So, Leviticus 27.30, it says, the tithe is the Lord's, not yours. What did God say in the garden? Don't touch that tree. It's not yours. It's mine. Don't touch it. The tithe is the Lord, and it is holy to the Lord. Amen? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Stay with me. Don't get weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap at the end of the service. anticipation coming. So we're seeing that tithing is already all throughout the Old Testament, and it's not a law thing, it's an honor thing. They did uh, tithe under the law, but it was before the law with Abraham. But we also see this principle that the tithe is the first and the best of whatever you have, whether it be money or cattle or produce, livestock, whatever. But we also see this, the tithe went to the house of God to build the house of God, to fund the house of God, to sustain the house of God. We've already given you a couple re- references to that with Jacob. And then also with God's people coming out of Egypt, they got the wealth to build God's house. So we see here in Nehemiah 10, in verse 35, we're going to start there. But before we read that, let me give you a little context and background. And I still feel like quoting my own cause right now, but it, it's going to be good for you. Because I've been studying this for, for the past several weeks, and, it, and it's good. Because a lot of us, we grow up in church, and we never know really all the, the background of where, where, where what we believe comes from, and especially tithing. So, we see here that God's people, when they came out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, they built God a tabernacle. Now, we know the tabernacle, it was the house of God. Now, eventually, once they got to the promised land, they built him an actual temple. That was the house of God. And now we know in the New Covenant, the church is the house of God. And we are the house of God. That was pretty good. But listen to this. Now, there were 12 tribes of Israel. Okay? Any of you who go to Bible Adventure Week, you know that 12 tribes of Israel. Now, six of them come to Bible Adventure Week. The other six are not left in. Now, there's an extra one, Nahum, which is not technically a real tribe, that gets added in. So, there's 12 tribes. Everybody say 12 tribes. And of the 12 tribes of Israel, there was one tribe who was called to be priests or ministers at God's house. So, the tribe that was to be priests or ministers of God's house was the tribe of Levi. Which 
which is also known as uh, Levites, where we get Leviticus from, because he's talking about holy things, he's talking about ministers or priests. So we see here the tribe of Levi were the, the modern day pastors and ministers of that day, the tribe of Levi, so the Levites. So the same word, tribe of Levi or Levites, they were the ministers of that day. So the tribe of Levi or the Levites were priests and they worked at the house of God or the tabernacle and then eventually the temple. And what they would do is they would um, make sure the, the tabernacle or the temple was clean. They would make sure that uh, people were getting taken care of. They would offer sacrifices. They would offer tithes and offerings to God for people. They would pray for people. Uh, they would help people. They would counsel people. So the tribe of Levi or the Levites were the ministers of that day. It's interesting also, when they were in the wilderness and, and they had the tabernacle, all the tribes would camp around the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle, which held God's presence, was in the middle of the camp. On purpose. In the middle. Because he wants to be first place. He's not inside. He's in the middle. And so there was a specific place where every tribe camped out around the tabernacle. But the tribe of Levi, or the Levites, or the ministers, or the priests, were the only ones who camped directly around the tabernacle. Okay, all the, the rest of the tribes had their own little areas, but Levites camped around the tabernacle. Why? Because they were in charge of running God's house, also to protect God's house. So the pastors or ministers of that day protected and guarded God's house, and they ministered in God's house. Now we see this, this, this word storehouse. You ever heard of this word storehouse? And we're going to get to some, some scriptures that say the word storehouse. The word storehouse talks about this. The storehouse in those period, periods of time with the tabernacle or even with the temple, the storehouse was kind of a side shed, a storage area, like the storage area we have in the back, that was connected to the tabernacle or the temple. And what they did with the storehouse was, you go get some, if you, if you listen to what I'm saying, I realize I sound like a Bible dictionary right now, but you'll be okay. The storehouse, not just got dead faces when I said that. Okay. The storehouse was a place where after they would give the grain offerings, the produce offerings, they would put the extra grain and produce in the storehouse to store it. When they had extra cattle or extra meat, they would put it in the storehouse. When they had extra utensils that they weren't using in the temple or the tabernacle, they would put it in the storehouse. And the food in the storehouse was for the Levites, the ministers, the pastors, to eat so they could live. Okay? So, the tribe of Levi, where they got their food and their, and their substance, was from the storehouse where they could eat. So, once they fed, they could feed God's people. Alright, alright, alright. So, it's a biblical to, to pay the pastor. Alright, we're we going down there right now. So we realize the tribe of Levi, they ate 
know if people are bringing millions of people bringing grain and cattle daily to sacrifice, there's going to be some food left over for the Levites. So they ate good. And notice God said it, it's your portion to eat of that. Why? Because if you work in the house of God, you're to eat of the house of God. Okay? Nehemiah 10, verse 35. And we made an ordinance to bring the first fruits, first fruits of the ground and the first fruits of all the trees, year by year, notice, to the house of the Lord, the church. Verse 36, to bring the firstborn of our sons and, and of cattle, as is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and flocks, to the house of our God, to the priest who minister in the house of our God. Are you seeing a, a, a pattern here? In verse 37, to bring the first fruits of our dough. Hello, paper. The first fruits of our dough and our offerings, the first fruits of all kinds of trees, the new wine, the oil, to the priest, to the storehouse rooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithe of our land to the Levites, to the priests, the ministers. Shall bring up a tenth of the tithe to the house of our God, to the rooms of the storehouse. Verse 39, for the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring forth the offering of grain and the new wine and the oil to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our God. That could be a, a tithing verse there. We will not neglect the house of our God. If your house needs it and God's house needs it, yes, you God's house. We will not neglect the, our house. We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect it. Why? Because if you put God's house first, He will put your house first. So we see the see the pattern here in Nehemiah, bringing the tithe to the house of God to the Levites to the priests. Okay. Malachi three, probably the most famous verse on tithing and offering. Malachi three. Storehouse means now. Malachi 3 and verse 8. So we're getting some questions answered if you're listening about where to give the tithe, how much is the tithe, who it goes to, is it okay to pay ministers, is it okay that ministers get established in the church? It's all in the scripture. Not just in the old, but in the new. Malachi 3 verse 8 it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10, key verse. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. There may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And verse 11, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so they will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit of, of the field, says the Lord. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. That verse means a lot more now that you know what storehouse means. So he says, 
bring all the tithes and offerings to the storehouse. What is the storehouse? It's the house of God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and there will be meat in my house. What does he say in meat in my house? Meat and food and, and money, so that the ministers have enough, so they can come prepared to feed you and care for you as the people of God. That's what he says here. Now, understand this. In light of the New Covenant or the New Testament, if we don't tithe, we're not cursed. People wrongly dividing the word because some people get up and try to fear you into giving. If you don't tithe your your and give offerings here, then you're cursed. That's Old Testament. Now the principle of tithing and offerings is not Old Testament, but you are no longer cursed now because you're in Christ. And Christ has redeemed you from the curse. You are blessed whether you give or not. So this is what happens. Under the new covenant, you are not blessed. Because you give, you're not blessed because you give. You give because you're blessed. <laughs> all right, are all we here? You don't give money to God so He will bless you. No, He's already blessed you. That's why you give your money now in the new covenant. Now, let's look over at Luke 11. Am I making sense? Hopefully. Luke 11. See, we just went through the whole OT. Now we in the New Testament. Here's another question people will say. Well, did Jesus give tithe? Absolutely. Because, number one, he was the son of Abraham. He gave tithe. Number two is that he fulfilled all the law. So he was the tither. In another part of Scripture, which we won't uh, turn to, it says, Give to God what is God's, and give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So what was he saying here? Give to God what is God, with his tithe and offering, and pay your taxes too. Hello, somebody. It's the Word. <laughs> and you live in a country where you are blessed. You have an obligation to pay your taxes. That's the Word. But notice, Jesus said, Give to God what is God's. But Luke 11 verse 42. Now, Jesus was a tither, so he's not against tithing, but he was against doing it in the wrong attitude, which the Pharisees did. It says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all the manners of earth, and pass by justice and the love of God. Notice, these you ought to have done. What's he talking about? Tithing. So he says, You're right for tithing. Without leaving the others undone. Now, what do we say here? Jesus is for tithing, but he's for you doing it with the right attitude. Now, the Pharisees and religious people of that day tithed even down to the mints and herbs in their cabinet. They would take out a few little things of salt and pepper and the herbs and tithe it. That's how particular they were about tithing, but they didn't have the right attitude when they were doing it. And Jesus said, it was right that you tithed, but you left out bigger issues like justice and the love of God. Meaning, you can tithe all you want, but if you're going to be a jerk, God's not going to bless you. That's what he was saying there. You're right for tithing. Good job. I'm a tither. You should tithe. But when you don't do it with the right attitude and you don't walk in the love of God, it's not doing you any good. 
It's a spiritual thing. And notice when Jesus receives them, just like when, when uh, Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham, he turned around and he blessed him. Now realize you are already blessing Jesus, but there's something supernatural and extra when you tithe and give offerings that Jesus himself turns around and blesses you more than you had before when you give him your tithes. And so here mortal men receive them. But at the church, we receive them, but in heaven, Jesus receives the money. Don't have this idea. Well, I just don't like the pastor, so I'm not going to tie there. You're not giving it to the pastor anyway. You're giving it to Jesus. I don't like, like what the church did last week. I'm not paying my tithes. You're not giving it to the church anyway. You're giving it to Jesus ultimately. Hello, somebody. So I don't care if you went to a whack church. If you honor God with your money, God would still bless you because it's not the church necessarily you're giving to. It's Jesus you're giving to. And he's turning around and blessing you. Woo! Are we still here? And it's supernatural. How does that work? I don't know how it works. But the word says, here we receive tithes, but there he receives it when we give. Every time you give, it's not going undone. It's not going unseen. God sees it and he blesses you for it. Now, Here's something to think about grace giving. Grace giving. Really close to this. Realize that in the New Testament, the word tithe is not mentioned a lot, but giving is mentioned a lot. Now, we talked about this that tithing is not just a command, but it's in principle in the Word of God. And so we see here which we're going to get more into next week about giving, is if you study the early church in the letters, you see giving, but at a whole nother level than just tithes and offerings. Nobody's begging the people, hey, come give your tithes, please. No, people are giving a lot more than their tithes. And the early church talked about people sold everything that they had and gave it to the house of God just so people's needs would be met. That's why more than a tithe. And you've got to realize that, yes, tithing is in the Old Testament. Yes, tithing is in the New Testament. But realize, grace giving will supersede any kind of law giving. Grace giving will supersede law giving. Now, I've just 
whoever has your heart, you will give to it. That's why I know when people don't tithe to our church, their heart's not with us. Their heart's not with us. They can talk all day. I love this church. I love the pastors. I want to do this and this. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving, your heart's not with us because your wallet reveals what you love. Your bank account reveals what you love. Bottom line, you can talk all day that I don't like this and I don't care about this. Whatever your bank account says, your debit, your credit card says, your wallet reveals what you love and who has your heart. Whatever it may be. If all we see on your credit card is Bass Pro Shop, no offense, guess what? You love my nutrition, don't you? That's what has your heart. If we see Rooster's Wings on your bank account all the time, guess what? Your heart is with Rooster's. Your heart is with Wings. Whatever has your heart, your money's going to be there also. That's where your treasure is. And I want to read this real quick. This is from a book by Mark Driscoll. And he wrote this about tithing. He said, Testament is, is not there a lot. It's in Hebrew. But he says, but with everything else in the New Covenant, our grace giving is to exceed the Old Testament with requirements of the law. Therefore, God's people, 10% should be a floor, not a ceiling. And tithing should be a place to begin, not a place to end. That's the bottom line. Why? Because everything else in the New Testament, it goes to a home, not a So we're saying, if these people could do this under the Old Testament, under a covenant of law and legalism and judgment, and now we're in a new and better covenant full of grace, and God has been so good to us and so generous and so loving to us, our giving could supersede and not even be anywhere close to those who are in that Old Testament. And the idea of 10% should not even come to your mind because you're giving way more than 10% and you can't wait to give. So we see here, our grace giving should excel the Old Testament requirements of the law. Therefore, God's people, 10% should be a 